Go wild with Nation Gear's end of regular season merch madness sale. Nation Gear is offering our favorite fans 20% off all regular season merch. And we're going to give you free shipping on any orders over $200. Stock up your closet for the playoffs. Rep your team and grab that merch you've been eyeing up all season long. Don't wait. This sale only lasts from April 1st until April 7th. Shop the sale at nationgear.ca. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. This is the Puck Poolies Podcast with Matt Larkin and Stephen Ellis. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Puck Poolies Podcast. Hard to believe we're on episode 10 now. It's Matt Larkin here, as always, with Stephen Ellis. We're brought to you by ProAline Plus. We have a really, I'm, Stephen, I'm feeling our lineup today. This feels meaty, juicy. I'm pumped to get into it. So let's start. Tell me what's going on with your, your little fantasy team. Well, my slump, slump continues. I lost again. I think it's my <laughs> fifth time in six weeks. But this time it was by about two points, which in a league where each week we're getting 450 points at the bare minimum, that's that's a pretty small margin. Uh, I think part of this week was just I had a lot of my key guys just like I couldn't bring new guys in because I couldn't drop my guys that were not playing. Like Tage Thompson was hurt and eventually came back. I actually forgot to put Thompson in the lineup, uh, but that was okay because that was the game where Buff Buffalo got like three shots in the first two periods. Um, but, you know, a part of it was I lost to Connor McDavid. Yeah, and with David going out there and being much better than Leon Dreisaitl ended up becoming the big difference there. So, uh, you know, I'm still pretty happy with that week. Uh, it was, you know, I was going up against the second best team and uh, with a team of McDavid, that hurts. Um, but uh, I just didn't get enough. My big guys just didn't play enough. Um, simple as that. So I uh, entered the week looking at it and it said the projected games played and I was down by about 14 and I made a couple of ground on there. I actually, I, um, Lucky enough, Logan Thompson was easy guy to drop, and I brought in Joseph Wolf for a night to see if he could do something, and then that game did not go so well for him uh, mm-hmm. in the end. So, uh, you know, I, I got some pinch performers, but I just had too many guys that I couldn't drop or put on injured reserve, and I, that kind of hurt me. Okay, so it's funny. We continue to go in opposite directions. My team, the, the big streak continues. I've won seven weeks in a row now, and nine out of ten. So my team is crew, It's kind of really locked in. There's We have four divisions and I'm locked into the four seed because the top three teams were great early. My team kind of got hot late, so I feel like I'm just stuck as the four seed. But I'm pulling away now. I made a trade. I'm kind of disappointed in it because 
Uh, I was I was shopping Trevor Zegris to the seller teams because our league has contracts. He has two years left, so I was looking for some rentals and if you want to build around Zegris. And I turned down an offer of Crosby for Zegris a month ago. At the time, like Zegris was the player of the week, and in the in the in the last thirty days, he had outscored Crosby. So I thought this isn't enough. I turned it down, and Zegris has kind of slowed down. Crosby picked up, so I ended up s- selling pretty low, more just for pure categories. I traded Trevor Zegris to my dad for Carter Verhaeg and Ricard Raquel. So if you hear those names, it's an underwhelming return, but I was targeting goals and shots and Raquel or or Verhaeg is 28 goals, Raquel's 18. They both shoot the puck a fair amount. So based on what I needed, it it works. It just, ah, I should have, I should have accepted the Crosby deal. What are you going to do? Okay. Let's, let's, uh, let's start with our pickups of the week, Steven. Let's do it. All right. We're going to start with a goalie that is representing Canada at your favorite tournament, the world hockey championship. And that is Aiden Hill. Yeah, so try not to judge him for playing in that terrible tournament. But uh, Aiden Hill, the Vegas Golden Knights, available in 55% of leagues, Yahoo leagues. This is a vital, I wrote in, in my notes, all capitals, vital pickup right now. This could shift your fantasy season on its axis because we know now Logan Thompson is out. It's a week-to-week injury. That's pretty murky timeline. He could be back in a week. He could be out a month. And we're getting close to fantasy playoffs now. Or if you're in a roto league, you're in your final stretch as well. So Aiden Hill, he's got a 9-11 save percentage through, through Sunday's game. So going into the start of this week. And... He's been pretty decent whenever he starts already this season. Now he's locked into a, a fantasy starter role. I think it makes him a viable starter short term for your team if you need a boost in goaltending. Actually, so much so that I am currently typing in Aiden Hill's name and picking him up and dropping Joseph Wolf. So live pickup. All right. Yeah, we're I doing like it right it. now. Yeah. Probably can't see it very well, but it's happening. So, anyways, I just picked up Aiden Hill. I like that one a lot. Uh, Nick Schmaltz is your medium pickup of the week. Yes, so he's available in 75% of leagues. Uh, and when he gets hot, you just you just kind of you gotta ride him because it happens every year. And he he's got six goals and 13 points in his past seven games. He's got that great chemistry with Clayton Keller. We saw this happen last year, and he got 30 of his 59 points in just a 20-game stretch. So it seems like he just goes on one of these runs, and you definitely want to ride him when that happens. So I think. He's an underowned player who's the first liner, and he's been close to a point per game, give or take, for the last year. So at, at the very least, you want to ride out this hot streak. So go pick up Nick Schmaltz. I was using, I don't know how much you've used of chat GPT, but I mean, was playing with it when I saw these players here. And I said, which player would you pick up for your fantasy team? And Nick Schmaltz was the player that chat GPT picked. Granted, this is going off of data before 2021 because it can't search the internet, but that's who it picked. So hmm. if, if, you, if you believe in the AI, that's who you got to pick. And uh, Anthony Beauvillier from the Vancouver Canucks is your deep pickup. Yes, he's available still in 92% of leagues. I scooped him in my own league, and I'm feeling good about it so far. And I just wrote again, my note was, wakey, wakey, everyone. This is an important pickup right now. He's on that top line with Elias Pettersson, who's been on fire. And they're forming some pretty instant chemistry there. Beauvillier is even getting uh, first power play work, or at least power play work of some sort. I don't know if it's PP1, but he's getting power play time. And he's playing more than 18 minutes a game. First four games as a Canuck had two goals, three points, 10 shots, seven hits. So it seems like the experiment's going to work there. And that was what I, I thought would happen for two reasons. One, if you're paying up in the Bo Horvat trade, you better be getting something decent back. And you want to see what you have with Beauvillier, who's a former first round pick. Also, if he's a future trade candidate, you want to showcase him. So no matter what, there's there are many reasons for the Canucks to give Beauvillier a shot. He's in his mid-20s. There's still some upside there. So he's definitely a, an attractive pickup. Even in medium leagues, I'd be looking at Beauvillier to see if he stays hot. 
And your WTF pick of the week is another world championship superstar, Adrian Kempe from the LA Kings. Yes, Adrian Kempe, also a former first round pick. Uh, I forget what draft it was. It was probably 2013 or 14, if I remember correctly. But this player was always useful the last couple of years. He had good category juice as a shooter. He threw in some hits. He could score some goals. He had a career high last year, 35. And now what you're getting is not just the banger and shots heavy league production. He's on fire. Seven goals, 17 shots in his last four games. So, of course, you don't just want to point chase. He's not going to stay that hot. But even when he cools down, because he gets so many shots, it's not like the opportunities are going to dry up. So I think there's a chance he's going to challenge that career high. And shout out to Philip Deneau. Because at the beginning of the year, when we did our player media tour, we were talking to Deneau, and he, he predicted that Kempe was going to beat his career high again this year. So it looks like it's trending that way. So, okay, that's impressive there, Mr. Deneau. I acknowledge it. Good. I like it. Your tip of the week is loading up on trade candidates. And I like this one because it's something that I've kind of been looking into where I've been really looking at and saying, should I even just take a flyer and pick up Patrick Kane? Like, I know he's not producing a ton right now, and I'm, I'm in a league where Kane is, would be my worst player. But if he gets traded, I just, you know, I, I kind of like the idea of him rebounding. But uh, what are your thoughts? Yeah, so I've talked already on the show in recent weeks about some of these players like Patrick Kane, John Klingberg being by lows for your own team. But now I want to talk about these trade candidates being trade candidate, trade candidates. So what I mean is, they're interesting guys to have on your team already when a trade happens because there's always a surge of adrenaline, whether your league has a, a group chat or a message board, whatever it is, there's some excitement when a guy gets traded. And the example I use is, let's say you were in a league with a diehard Rangers fan and you own Vladimir Tarasenko. How much do you think that fan on the day of that trade would be willing to give you in a trade for Tarasenko? Probably a little bit more, maybe, maybe just 10% more value, right? Because I'm a big believer in preying on emotion. So I'm trying to make sure I have a few of those real life trade candidates on my team, either to help me out or to jack up their value and use them in, in trades. So for example, Jacob Chikrin is on my team. So is Patrick Kane. And I'm holding on to them because I want to see what happens if they're traded. If Chikrin gets traded, which is supposedly imminent, it could be happening while we're podcasting, depending on where he goes, there could be a huge surge of interest in him. And that's a player I'm immediately going to shop just to see if I get an overpay from that adrenaline factor. So I think it's smart. I know it depends on when your trade deadline is, but it really, this doesn't apply just to deadline day because guys are starting to get traded now. So just think about those trade candidates. If they're available, stash them, or maybe try and acquire them early before they're traded. And then when there's that excitement, you capitalize, prey on emotion, always be a villain. That's what I do. So just for reference, we are recording this on Monday. So we don't know. Again, Jacob Chikrin has been rumored to be uh, available for trade. We do not know at this point. He could be traded while we're recording, but I am keeping an eye on him. So if you hear this and Jacob Chikrin's already been traded, you know what already happened. Yeah, that's good. I'm sure people will just somehow find a way to, to send us some hate, even though they'll just ignore that. They'll ignore the disclaimer. But I appreciate the disclaimer, Stephen. Okay, next up, we have a, a really fun guest we want to bring on an old friend of ours going back to our hockey news days, Jason Chen. Okay, we are very pleased to welcome a special guest, a fantasy hockey writer, award-winning fantasy hockey writer for the Hockey News, for Yahoo Sports, for Rotowire. Also, way back, we first met when he was an intern at the Hockey News like 10 or 11 years ago. Jason yeah. Chen, it's a pleasure to see you, my friend. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? It's good to see familiar faces again. Steven, it's good to see you as well. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're here. It's but you were when we were first putting the show together, you were the first name that came to my mind. Awesome, awesome. I'm glad I, I have a I leave a lasting impression and a positive one at that. 
Well, you you do, and and for anyone listening, so Jason, uh, this is again, we think it we think it was 2012 was like a dominant powerhouse intern, and it stuck in my mind back in the day. Like he was just a sharp guy from the start. He was ahead of a lot of people on things like analytics as well. So I'm not surprised to see him flourishing in a fantasy context now, and that's why we want to have you on, Jason. So we're gonna dive right into it. And one of the things you do at the Hockey News, I notice, is you do a lot of writing that involves breaking down the weekly schedule and how you can use it to your advantage in fantasy. So do you think people underestimate how important the schedule is every week in the NHL, and how do you use it to your advantage in fantasy? So definitely I think I do, and I say that because I've been caught offside many times where it's the end of the fantasy week and I'm scrambling to find players or goalies. And actually in the past, I've played in where you lock your roster on a Monday. So if you don't plan ahead, you're not going to be in a good spot. Um, I like analyzing the schedule because I think it matters quite a bit. Um, I think if you have a schedule where there's a lot of games on Saturday as usual, but there's no games on Sunday, well, if you need Sunday to catch up and you're kind of hedging your bets a little bit, I, I think it's nice to always just plan ahead. Um, it's not necessary, but in my schedule, you'll notice that I always list the opponent's points percentage and the, and the, the team's uh, points percentage and it's just the way to visualize the schedule and how strong some of these uh, teams are when they're going into the week so given how deep we are into sample size and now obviously we're way past the halfway point now uh, are there still any buy lows or sell highs that you can recommend at this point uh there's a few so i don't know how much how many of these are like really obvious but the one that stands out to me is keandre miller he's been fantastic for the rangers uh, 21 points in the last 29 games. I think when they added Nico Mikola too, like it frees up a lot of the other defensemen to do other stuff, to play power play or even strike minutes. And Keandre Miller has been fantastic. Like there's nothing, there's no real weakness in this game except maybe inexperience, but he's pitching on offense. He's playing good defense. He's getting a lot of even strength time. So that's one where he's less than 50% rostered in Yahoo leagues. And I feel like he should be way more than that. Uh, two guys uh, that I also am keeping an eye on, Andre Pallad on Devils. So this guy was a 50-point player for Tampa Bay for the longest time, missed a big chunk of the season. Now he's top line with Heashier and Jesper Bratt. With no Jack Hughes, I think that line's going to get leaned on a lot. And if you think about offense, I just don't think Pallad really got the opportunities there in Tampa Bay because he didn't have to. But now he's top line, power play one. I think that's a good pickup for the rest of the season. Uh, the other one, Anthony Beauvillier on the Canucks. He's been doing really well for Vancouver. On Long Island, he was kind of stuck in the second, third line. Didn't get a lot of ice time, was not a good finisher. But now in Vancouver, he's playing top line with Pedersen. And anytime you play with Pedersen, your points are going to go up because he makes everyone around him that much better. Um, whether it's a hot streak or not, I don't know. He's playing well for sure, and he's getting a lot of ice time. He's averaging about 18 minutes. Uh, rather than 16 minutes on Long Island. Um, on the same note, um, I think you can buy low on Matt Barzell. Uh, mm. He was snake bit at the beginning of the season, but I think him being um, a righty playmaker, Horvat having that wrist shot he has now, being a lefty, and the speed that they can have on two on ones, I think that's a very dangerous combo. Um, I've got a few more if you guys are interested in continuing this. Fire away. Uh, Bilo Besser, uh, he's the winger on Pedersen and Bovillier's line. Andre Kuzmenko got dropped. Um, when Rick Tockett came in, he said defense was key. 
And Kuzmenko, this was the one thing that even Bruce Boudreaux harped about and actually sat him earlier in the season because his defensive play wasn't that good. So Besser, he had a four-point game against the Islanders. He's playing top line. Um, I think he's going to do well, PD. And obviously, if the Canucks want to trade him, you should probably showcase him and give him the playing time he wants. Uh, Kevin Fiala, big second-half player throughout his career. Um, 18 points in 14 games in 2023 so far. He seems to do this every year, where the first half he's just kind of going through the motions, and the second half he really turns it on. Last year, I think he scored at like uh, like a 90-point pace in the second half. That's going to continue this year, I think, and the Kings are going to wrap it up. They're in the midst of a playoff race. Um, in, terms of, in terms of sell high, I'm actually looking at Travis Konechny. Um, he's been great all season for the Flyers. But two things I wonder about it. One, quite a few players from the Flyers are probably going to get traded, so that's going to hurt his, uh, the guys he plays with. He's gone eight games without a point. And the second one is usage. He's never played this much before. I think uh, two games ago he played 24 minutes. And John Tortorella, like, that's a demanding coach. Um, by the end of the season, you're probably losing a little bit of steam. So I'd fade the Flyers and connect me, even though he's one of my favorite players. Um, Thomas Turtle, that's another one where if Timo Meyer is gone and it sounds like he is, mm-hmm. who's Thomas uh, Thomas Turtle going to play with? Like Mikey Essimont? Yeah, sure. Maybe a couple minor league guys who can put the puck in the net once in a while. But Timo Meyer is like a legit top line, high volume shooting winger. And that doesn't grow on trees. And I think that's going to definitely hurt Hurdle's production for sure. Really good insight there. I'm, I'm, I should be making notes and, and uh, going into my trade offers and thinking about the names you mentioned there. And, and of course, earlier in the episode, we talked about Bovillier as well as a great mm-hmm. pickup. I've, I've got Pedersen and Bovillier. I have two thirds of that line. So maybe I should be going out and, and getting Brock Besser. Um, Jason, I know one thing that you do, one of your specialties for the hockey news is you break down the fantasy implications of trades. And I think the, on the New York Rangers side, it's pretty obvious. So I don't want you to focus too much on that, but what do you think is the potential ripple effect in St. Louis? And more specifically, who benefits from the spot in the lineup from Tarasenko being vacated? So St. Louis is really interesting. So I think the top line stays intact. So Buknevich, Kairu, Thomas, they're good long-term fantasy options. Um, In terms of who steps in for Tarasenko, it really depends on what the Blues do the rest of the season. Because you got O'Reilly, Barbashev, and Achari who will take some of those minutes, but they're also at the risk of getting traded as well. So in the short term, maybe those guys. But one guy I'm looking at is Jake Neighbors. Uh, one of their better prospects, really good, um, I think, two-way winger with some scoring touch. He's gonna. He was assigned to the AHL for the All-Star break, but I believe he's going to come back. And if you trade these guys, you're going to have to fill these spots anyway. Uh, Brandon Sott, sometimes I think about, but he's too much of a low-event player. Like, he's too boom or bust. And sometimes when you watch him play, it's just frustrating because he disappears. And then all of a sudden, he'll be right standing right beside the net, tipping in a goal or banging a rebound. But I just think he's too far um, unreliable to be a fantasy asset. Uh, Logan Brown interests me. He gets a little power play time once in a while. He's a big forward. The Blues like to play that style. He's got a bit of scoring touch, but the upside isn't all there. Um, But if we're going to go deeper into the minor leagues, once you trade these guys again, you're going to need bodies. So I know Matthew Highmore is leading uh, Springfield in scoring. But in the NHL, he's probably more of a two-way sort of grinding, checking line winger. The one I'm looking at is Martin Furk. This guy, 
Um, I believe set the hardest shot record in the pros, I think, at 109 miles per hour. Um, I remember watching him on the Mooseheads. He was one of my favorite junior players to watch. He's never really broken in, but if the Blues are trading their veterans and they need scoring, he's the most obvious guy to move up the lineup from the AHL. I like that. So are there any goalies uh, out there that can gain some value um, as a result of the trade deadline and maybe be worthwhile stashes? Yeah, goalies are a mess this year. And I think that's going to be the way going forward because scoring is just up all over the league. Um, I don't. I think the debate about the bigger nets is over. I think scoring is good enough as it is. Um, but we just saw over the weekend, Logan Thompson went down with an injury. That's going to be huge. So immediately Aiden Hill gets a lot of um, fantasy value pickup. Laurent Brassois just got um, called up. He hasn't been playing that well. He's been splitting time with Yuri Patera with Henderson. Um, so those are the two guys, but Vegas putting Mark Stone on LTIR, I think there's going to be a trade that they're going to be looking for. So that means Cam Talbot, maybe Thatcher Demko, they're both injured. I don't think they're going to go for James Reimer. It's like trading, you know, with your rival. I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, Jake Allen to me is a dark horse. I think he's actually played well considering he's a UFA at the end of the year. He's, it's not a name that, that people are talking about. I feel like sneakily, like he could maybe be the best goalie to be moved at the deadline. Um, other than that, Pyotr Kachetkov, he's one of my favorites. You never know what Carolina's going to do with their goaltending, and you never know how healthy they are. So Kochetkov, if you have like one of those uh, NA slots on Yahoo, he's a great stash. I just don't know if he's going to play all that much. Um, but Vegas is the focus, I think. I think they're the team where if a goalie get, goes there, he has a good chance of winning games. Yeah, I think we're on the same page there for sure, Jason. Uh, I wanted to switch gears for a second because I know when we were together at the Hockey News, we like to talk about movies and comic book movies and kind of nerdy stuff. And it's a bond that I remember us sharing. So I wanted to sort of get an updated perspective from you. And how are you feeling about the MCU these days? Because I have been underwhelmed ever since Avengers Endgame. I feel like everything they've put out mm. since has been sort of a 7.2 out of 10 whether it's, you know, Moon Knight or Loki or the TV shows, any of the movies, Multiverse of Madness, it goes on and on. I feel like they're bogged down by multiverses right now. Uh, but I'm curious where you stand on that. Do you think that A, MCU has lost its way? And B, do you think it's hurting the movie industry in general? Uh, wow. <laughs> we could talk hours about the MCU and all these movies. Um, but I'm like you. I feel like I'm getting a little superhero fatigue. Are you guys feeling the same way yes. like these are big budget movies with a lot of cgi and it's kind of cool to see once in a while but then it all just kind of melts together in your brain and you kind of forget what happens where i think we lose interest because we don't have that big villain anymore so maybe ant-man quantumania with kang the conqueror the real introduction of kang will really you know usher in phase four mm -hmm. it's at the point where I'm pretty underwhelmed as well. There are parts I like, but as a whole, I'm not enjoying it as much. Um, but maybe, you know, maybe this will get back. But at this point, it's also like I've invested so much time, I can't not go see it, right? Yeah, for sure. And I, and I do, I have hope for Quantumania because I think Jonathan Majors is awesome. So I'm hoping yes, that his presence, yeah, is going to be so powerful. It's hard because the trailers to me, they look like, I call it CGI soup. It just yeah. looks like, <laughs> PS2 cutscenes sometimes. Yeah, and yeah, for sure. Me, right? But I'm hoping you're right. And, and I, I do think there's a chance that this could be the one that gets it back on track. Um, and our last thing. Oh, I wanna add, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. So uh, talk about superhero fatigue where like, does this kill the movie industry? I think every time we think that there's always like a movie that comes out that kind of flips our minds. That we're like, oh, we didn't know we want this. So for this year, it was Top Gun. I, I mm -hmm. thought it was my favorite movie to watch in theaters this year. And we saw John Wick uh, is a franchise now, but we saw that years ago about, you know, these big budget films are really risky for studios and you could stand to lose a lot of money. And a way to avoid that risk is to make a movie about something that people really intimately know, like comic books or superheroes. It, it's more like a safety net. It's just too difficult to take a risk on something unknown or something unfamiliar and start a IP from there. So I think they just default to what they know and it just... Flavor of the weeks is superheroes. I think maybe in 20 years, we won't get any superheroes and we'll go back to Westerns or something like that. See, I'll add, because like I'm a big Spider-Man fan and that's like the ones, yes. I, I, I want to see Spider-Man more than any of the other superheroes. It's kind of like, I won't go to the theater. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. ...to see anything but the Avengers or Spider-Man in terms of, actually just movies in general. But for like that in particular, you have this huge movie with all the Spider-Man in one, and it's this big deal, and then you also have the animated series, which is its own thing, but it's also bringing all these Spider-Man one. How do you, like, how do you respond to that? What's, what's Spider-Man 4 going to look like? Like, you can't just bring in more Spider-Man at that point. You've done it all. It's got to be something a little different. I feel like it has to go like a gritty tone, or this is when you start to bring in Miles Morales and he and Peter Parker is like the, the the leader there. So that's just one series I feel like I needed to comment on because yeah. uh, I love the series, but it's like where do you go from now? And it feels like a total waste to not be doing more stuff with Tom Holland while he's still young. Because at a certain yeah. point, he'll be too old for the role. You got to keep you going here. I feel like Tom Holland's an actor where he's like, if he even he's 40 or 50 years old, he's going to look like he's still in high school. <laughs> <laughs> they probably hope so. Yeah, but uh, Into the Spider-Verse, that was one of my favorite Spider-Man movies. Nice cut, by the way, Steven. 
Yeah, thank you. This is I, I use this for every show. Just cause I oh, nice Spider Man mug. All right, got to give yeah. Spider Man all the love I can. Yeah. So the best part about Spider Man, and I think uh, Stan Lee said this too, is that Spider Man can anybody. So you tonally you could shift from like Miles Morales being really gritty, and then Peter Parker being like the more cheery, you know, dopey high school geek. Um, and then you have all these other Spider Man noirs and Spider Man Spider Pig things that you want to do. Um, I think that's great. Um, I just think Spider-Man is great because there's a different flavor for everyone. Um, even if you don't like the gritty Spider-Man, maybe you can go for a funny Spider-Man. Uh, whereas with Batman and Superman, um, it's usually the same character who plays that same role. And so you don't have a lot of direction with going there. Sometimes you can shift a little bit, but I don't think uh, people really want to take big risks with those. Mm-hmm. And, and it's funny now the challenge for spider-man is that his universe is being reset because of yeah. what happened in, in no way home so he has to get to know his favorite people in his life all over again um jason before we let you go we have a special segment so steven because it was my this was my brainchild I'll, I'll introduce it uh it's valentine's day of course we're recording this on a monday but this is this is going to be airing on a tuesday and so it's a valentine's day bonus question i want all three of us to answer okay so jason we're going to start with you because you're the guest of honor <laughs> who is the player a that you cannot break up with every year in fantasy you just can't quit this player and who is a player you've broken up with forever and you're never going back to so this is a question i have to think about because there's been so many players that fall into this category but i thought in honor of valentine's day i go with the red wings because of the color red <laughs> so the one player i can't quit is philip zadina <laughs> <laughs> Every year wow. I reach for this guy in like the late rounds thinking he's going to break out because in my mind he's still this like, like top scoring shooting ace. Um, but And he just came back from a broken leg, but he's playing fourth line minutes. It looks like he's getting leapfrogged on the depth chart all the time. And it's just at the point where I see the name and I want to click on it, <laughs> but I really, really can't and I really, really shouldn't. Um, player I want to break up with. Um, Again, with the Red Wings, Tyler Pertuzzi. So last year, I thought he was one of these like good all-around wingers for depth. I thought this year, with the Wings making the signings that they did, um, I thought he'd have a, a better um, production. Um, I think he's got seven points in 20 games, averaging two shots a game. Not a whole lot of blocks and hits. I see T. Bertuzzi, and I think Todd Bertuzzi. So maybe I'm in the wrong here, expecting to be some sort of banger. But he's really mm-hmm. not, and I'm... I'm just kind of done with him. He gets so much ice time. He doesn't do much with it. I, I don't exactly know what's wrong. And I'll add one more. I have a new crush on the Red Wings, and that's Jonathan Bergeron. Um, <laughs> this guy, this kid, I think if he had stayed with the Wings all season, he would have been a top Calder candidate. He's got slick hands, doesn't have to play on the top of the lineup, even strength to be productive on the power play. Um, he's just been so good. So those are my three guys, Adina, Bertuzzi, and the bonus is Bergrad. Okay. Steven, who do you have? Who, who's your pair? I know he probably will never play a game of hockey again, but I can't give up. He, he, he's been on my injury reserve all year long, Carey Price. I just, I'm just i not ready to move on in a hockey world without Carey Price. This is a guy that I grew up a Canadiens fan. I could not stand him when he was there at first. I'm like, Kalak's the better guy. Pick Kalak, Kalak. But that's because I was a Hamilton Bulldogs fan, and I watched him play the Bulldogs. Thought he was going to be great. Obviously, they made the right choice, Keeping Price. But I'm, just, I'm not ready after that playoff run and after you see the emotional moments of bringing him back this year. I just... I'm not ready to say goodbye to him, even though I'm 
I understand he's probably never playing hockey again. Uh, and sticking with goalies, a guy I just I will never pick up again is Sergei Bobrovsky. You pick him up for points because he'll go on these great runs, and you're like, this is great. The highs are high, like last year. And then you get this year where he's starting to pick it up, but it's so hit or miss. And this is a guy that you could always rely on at least kind of before that Florida contract, you can get him and you knew he was going to hit a certain mark every year. He was, you know, obviously won the Vezina trophies, but even when he was in Columbus, you know, probably wasn't going to mean many points in the playoffs, but you get a good regular season out of him. And that was a guy I always love picking. He goes to Florida, everything changes. He's hit or miss year to year. That's just kind of his thing. But at this point, I'm not willing to take that risk. Okay, good picks. Uh, I'm going to go with my player I can't quit is Gino Evgeny Malkin. I never draft him, but there's always a point in the season in which I trade for him, which includes this year and last year and the year before, I think the year before, because he's sort of properly valued now because everyone understands that he's almost never going to play a full season. He's going to play 60, 65 games. He's going to be a point per game player during that window. And there's always a point in the season where I just need some cheap scoring. And it's like, oh, I'll, I'll trade a third round pick and I'll bring Gino in. Because I know what I get with him. He's going to be a point per game, and then he's probably going to get hurt. He's going to get that little red D to D tag and drive me crazy. But the production is still always there. And it just somehow we find our way back to each other. It's very romantic. It's like Forrest Gump and Jenny in Forrest Gump in a few <laughs> years. You just can't, you can't stay away. And my breakup player, I, I think I I did the breakup last year. It was Mark Stone. So I always found him to be an overrated fantasy commodity because he he gets a lot of assistant points. He's not a big goal scorer. He's not a high-volume shooter. He doesn't get hits, blocks, a lot of empty calories there in fantasy. And then you had the concern with the back injury baked into the problem as well and now compounded by the new back injury, which has put him out again. So I think my time as a Mark Stone fantasy owner is permanently over. Well, that was an awesome segment, Jason. We definitely would love to have you back on again. That was so much fun. And uh, keep up the great work at the Hockey Thanks. League, my friend. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. And yeah, anytime you need a special guest, or you need some filler, I'd be happy to come on. Well, that was awesome. Thank you again to Jason and Stephen. It's your turn to take the floor. We're going to talk prospects. Who are you looking at right now as someone intriguing in keeper leagues? Maybe that will help this year or maybe next year, it sounds like, is what you're thinking for this player. It is. I'm thinking Logan Cooley, uh, the Arizona Coyotes prospect. And, you know, Arizona has been something where they are not going to be good for a little bit and that's why there are so many of their key players have been in trade rumors but logan cooley is going to be such a big part of this team's future he's playing incredible in the ncaa he's playing a jimmy snuggeroot who's at a st louis blues prospect and matt nye's a least prospect and they're one of the better lines in the ncaa and uh, with cooley this is a guy that he put up a lot of points last year, and you always expect that from the number one centerman from the U.S. National Development Team. But I think the biggest thing there was just how well-rounded he was. He was very reliable defensively. He could win face-offs. He can kind of do everything. And you looked at him at the World Juniors, and some people criticized him and said Cooley was having a pretty poor start to the tournament. wasn't doing a whole lot. And all of a sudden, he turned on the, the Jets, and he was basically an all-star player the rest of the way. Uh, so I think Logan Cooley is going to be a big part of this team's offense going forward. Now, I still think that he's going to need someone to pass to, uh, and that's something where you look at the Coyotes. I don't think that's there, – there's not a ton of huge names right now going on there, but uh, you, maybe if Dylan Gunther's your, the guy he's passing to all the time and you'd expect him to get another good pick this year in the draft, you can this, this team could instantly be a contender very soon where we know Dylan Gunther should be full-time next year. And, I'd ex, you know, Logan Cooley's playing really well this year. So if he turns pro, I think he instantly becomes the number one center in Arizona. And, you know – that's something where 
at least challenges for it. And, and when Arizona, you get opportunities. You'll get guys who don't put up a ton of points elsewhere, might not be a first liner in some places, get that opportunity in Arizona. And for a rebuilding team, I think that's interesting. So uh, keep an eye on Logan Cooley. All right. And I know the Coyotes, at least from what I've heard, they're really high on him and they felt like they felt like he fell even not, not like they, not like they picked low in that first round, but they felt like they got a steal where they got him uh, in, in that 2022 draft. Uh, okay. Steven's time now for the best bet segment presented of course by ProLine plus. And I'm looking at the Tuesday night slate and I'm, I'm seeing a tank bowl on there. It's the Blackhawks and Montreal Canadians. I think I'm going to hammer the over 6.5 for plus 197. I'm on fire. Like how many, how many bets have I hit in a row? Six. I think yeah. at least six in a row, if I remember correctly. So I can't miss right now. And you look, both these lineups are pretty banged up, pretty depleted. The Habs have, they've hit the over in three straight games for their past five. I just, I'm expecting slop. I'm expecting a messy game with two teams that don't really necessarily want to win. So I just, I could see this being a bit of a track meet and just kind of, a sloppy one. So I, I like the over six and a half goals on that one. And that was from ProLine, of course. ProLine Plus, our sponsor, is not just another sports book, being the only sports book that gives 100% of profits back to Ontario. ProLine has been your local trusted sports book for over 30 years, now offering Ontario sports fans more ways to play in store, online, or take the game on the go with the ProLine app. With your favorite sports and events right at your fingertips, download the ProLine app and bet in-app with ProLine Plus today or head over to ProLinePlus.ca to learn more. And Stephen, I didn't get you a chance to I didn't give you a chance to comment on my bet and tell me if you like it. I kind of skipped I, over I, it. I love it. <laughs> See, I love the chaotic games between the, the bottom feeder teams. As someone who loves prospects, this is like, you know, you get to see some of these young guys already that are in the lineups. Um, and, and you know, the teams don't care what happens. They they don't want to win for the most part. Um, but this is something where these chaotic games could be a lot of fun. You know, I, I if I want to see a great game between two teams, well, I would say Tampa Bay and Colorado last week was kind of a game to watch and it was a blowout. So maybe the top teams in the league don't make as good hockey as uh, some of these smaller teams teams or our weaker teams i should say but i'm looking forward to it okay good so let's move on now we got a few listener questions coming in all right this question we'll start off with is from sammy appleton and it's simple is jacob markstrom done i like this the blunt just throwing it out there sammy uh well it's interesting so one of our coworkers, mike mckenna the former nhl goaltender did a really good analysis last week on jacob markstrom if you want to find it just type in diagnosing jacob markstrom and what mike felt was that that a lot of the problems are team related not blaming the team but blaming the fact that markstrom might not trust his new team chemistry because there are little things he's done as mckenna pointed out like when there's traffic he retreats to his net which creates more holes which also implies that he's not trusting his own teammates to clear the net for him so that's a bit of a concern because it's not like the trust is going to necessarily magically come back this season maybe just the chemistry with all the moves they made in the in the offseason is just kind of wrong right now. So it makes me wonder if we're going to get Markstrom back at the level he was last year. I don't know if we will. That said, he's still a very talented goaltender. I don't think he's going to stay below 900 all season. So I'm expecting a little bit of a bounce back, but I I think it's now at this point of the season, it's too late for him to be what he was last year. So I think it, it's important. Maybe he's more of a top 12, top 15 goaltender for the rest of the season in the best case scenario, as opposed to being what he was last year, which was top three, top five range. Yeah, you look at that playoff round against the Oilers, and it kind of just was viewed at the time as one really bad week for a great goaltender. Unfortunately, he never really found that again, and they found the 
what made him so good in a regular season. Again, I should say. So it's a tough one. Uh, Ricky Sanders asks, if Fowley Nachushkin could stay healthy, do you see him being a consistent 50-point guy for the foreseeable future? He did miss a lot of time this year, but he's actually on pace for, I believe, 40-ish points this year. So maybe. Yeah, and I assume what Ricky means here is 50 points like per 82 games. And I think that's a fair range for Nachushkin, especially if you judge him by what he's done since coming over to Colorado. So since he became an Avalanche member, he averages 47 points per 82 games. So right in that 50 range, he's been producing a bit better than that in the last season or two. He was really good in the playoffs. I'm still never going to be the most high on a guy like Nutrition because I still think his value is more tied to his real-life defensive play, and the offense is kind of a bonus. So I don't think he's ever going to be a dominator in fantasy, but I think the 50-point range, give or take, is probably a fair a fair estimate for him going forward. Cool. And this question's for me. So it comes from Brody, and it asks, will Jesper Wallstead be a net for game one for the Minnesota Wild next season? And I'm going to say no, but he'll be in the lineup. And I, this is something where Flurry signed for a couple of years, but they signed with the assumption that Wallstead would be ready and he could be kind of the mentor. And if you're going to have a guy as your mentor, uh, Flurry is definitely the guy you'd want. Wallstead's had some ups and downs, but the ups have been very high. And this is a guy that when he got drafted uh, by the Wild, Everyone kind of expected him to go significantly higher to the point where, like, because he a top 10 goalie. And I'd say when he got drafted, he, to me, was my favorite prospect in the draft. And I think he still could become one of the most impactful players. Of course, being a goalie, it's a little different. Um, but I, I, Ballstead, I think, will be the starting goalie by the end of next season. Uh, I think that he's mm. he came here with go to the AHL, trying to adjust to, to life in North America. Uh, goalies, it's always tough to have to kind of relearn the angles. Um and I never really understood that at first until I started playing. I, I never played high level hockey, but going out there and going from uh, growing up in Oakville and playing in the main rinks that they have there and then going to the main rink, 16 mile sports complex, where it's an Olympic size rink. And I had no idea how to handle the angles because there's a lot more areas the players can shoot from. So for European goalies, you always kind of want a bit of extra time for them to kind of come through. And I feel like he's done a great job adjusting. Of course, Philip gustafson has been good this year. I think they'll end up trading him, get some good assets back. Uh, restricted free agent and then next year you run a flurry in wallstead and i think by the midpoint season midpoint of the season wallstead will be the number one i just don't they don't need to eat to rush him in just ease him in and i think it'll be worth it mm, interesting okay I, I see it a little differently which is fun it's oh it's, it's more fun when we don't see it exactly the same this question by the way from brody brody is in my league and i noticed brody i know you have jesper wallstead stashed in an a spot at the moment, or at least he's in your lineup, but I saw the NA tag. I know you have him. So Brody's trying to figure out if Jesper Wallstead can be a keeper. What's up, Brody? I love you. Um, but here's the thing, okay? Marc-Andre Fleury, like you said, Stephen, has signed another year. Philip Gustafson has been really good this year. I think he's played his way maybe into being a part of the solution. And if you look, it's similar to the Kachekov situation in Carolina. I see Wallstead being Kachekov next year because Jesper Wallstead is waiver exempt. And if all three goaltenders are still in the organization, Gustafson, Fleury, and Wallstead, it will, again, have to be Wallstead who's the odd man out because he doesn't have to pass waivers to go back down to the AHL. And it's his first season in North America. He's still so young. I don't think you need to rush him. So I'm wondering if eventually Fleury is going to be the odd man out and maybe if the Wild aren't great next year, do they have look at trading Fleury? He'll be in the last year of his deal. We also don't know for sure. Like Fleury could retire for all we know, given the age he's at right now. So... I'm wondering if the long-term tandem is actually going to be Wallstead-Gustafson. And if that's the case, though, it probably can't happen next season if Fleury's still around. It might have to be starting game one of the 2024-25 season. Similar to Kachekov, where 
he's stuck right now, but eventually, like next year, of course, Kachekov is going to be there, probably the starter. So that's what I describe Wallstead as. He's Kachekov one year rewound in terms of what his potential role is. I, I get, I, no, I, I can agree with that um, to a point. I do think, I guess it really kind of depends on what thing goes happens in the playoffs. If Wallstead ends up becoming the starter, for example, and he just falls apart, like what? I don't know about that one, but um, the one thing I'll say about Wallstead uh, for people who are interested in him for a keeper situation, I do see him as a the kind of the guy that I was comparing him to when he was uh, a prospect was Connor Hellebuck. I think he's going to have a very similar career. He's going to, uh, you know, he's got the size. He relies on it a lot, um, and I feel like he's got a really good head. Uh, he thinks the game so well. Mm-hmm. Uh, doesn't get rattled from a bad goal. Um, but I also think he's very just relaxed in the crease. And that's because he's just, you know, you, you look at him, he's always focused. And I feel like this is a guy that's going to thrive. I, I think he'll be in the Vesna conversation for a long time. And uh, recently wrote about some other goalies that could be uh, in that situation too. Uh, Yaroslav Askarov, I still am convinced, will win a Vesna trophy, maybe two, uh, in his career with Nashville. Um, so we'll see what happens. It's a good time for goalie prospects because you also look at Devin Levi you also look at Joseph Wall and the Leafs playing really well uh Dustin Wolf of Calgary so it's a good time for goalie prospects yeah it feels like there's this, an exciting wave coming I, I couldn't agree more uh okay Stephen we're gonna finish it off with the starting lineup it's your turn to pitch to me so I'm ready to hit this one out of the park I hope so today I wanted to ask you name your worst bands or singers ever Okay, this is a fun one. I really put some thought into this one. And it, part of it is just about my emotional response. Like if, I, if I hear this band come on the radio and if I'm, I just shake my head, then that's a sign that they make the cut. So at number six, we have Limp Biscuit. I mean, <laughs> I don't think I really need to introduce why in this case. It's kind of an embarrassment to call what they do music. They had a moment, of course, in those late 90s. We know what happened in Woodstock 99, the sort of rap rock. It's not an era I don't think that anybody is uh, proud of. Uh, and Fred Durst, like the idea that Fred Durst was a chart-topping musician, and I'm doing air quotes if you're listening, is just pretty hilarious to me. So that's number six. Number five, this one is probably my most controversial one because I know this band is fairly legendary, has a lot of fans, Super Tramp. I don't like this era of music that they peaked in, the late 70s, early 80s, very synthy. I call it, it's silly joke, it's joke music. Their songs are so goofy and they sound like they're just making up a joke song. They're kidding around. Just the, the vocal stylings, you know? Like, take a look at my girlfriend. It just sounds like they're joking. Like, you're, people are buying your records. Stop joking and try. Like, it just seems so silly to me. So I'm not a fan of their, their sound. Uh, Nickelback, of course, would have to make this list. Even though How You Remind Me, I think, is actually a banger. So that's the one exception. But people say, someone said this to me recently, actually. What's wrong with Nickelback? They're fine. They're fine. I say, yes, exactly. They're fine. They are the most fine, the most mediocre, milk toast, vanilla band, I think, ever. And that's, for people wonder, why do you hate a band that's so meh? That's the point. They're so thoroughly meh. That's the reason. That's the reason they make this list. Uh I have one individual artist on this list, and that's The Weeknd. And if you're any, if you're an American listening, in Canada on Radio Play, we have the CRTC, Canadian Radio Television Commission, I believe it stands for. And there are rules about Canadian content. There has to be a certain percentage of Canadian content on the airwaves at all times, which leads to Canadian artists being really overplayed. And The Weeknd just has so many songs, so many albums. He's just on all the time. And his music, I find, just so forgettable. It's just, it's just elevator background like my ear just doesn't even pick it up it's just so it's just kind of there and, and it just doesn't pop for me 
Uh, number two, we got Dave Matthews Band. I just hate that kind of warbling voice, and it just makes me think of like open mic nights in university and coffee houses and people who think they're great musicians and are pretentious. And it just, ugh, I, I have a physical reaction to the Dave Matthews Band. So <laughs> gross. And number one, I have Smash Mouth. How bad is Smash what? Mouth? <laughs> Smash Mouth is so bad that I've used it in a currency for humiliation. So I have a friend that I'm really even with in golf. And if like one time I, I lost a game of golf against him and my punishment was I had to sing Smash Mouth. No, sorry. He lost. He had to sing Smash Mouth at a karaoke bar as his punishment. That's how much we hate Smash Mouth. Just, just garbage music. And that's my murderer's row of crap. My top six. But okay, Smash Mouth, I get they're not great, but no one has thought about them in 15 years. Like <laughs> I have. I've thought about how terrible they are. All right. Well, that's a weird one. Have you seen what Fred Durst looks like these days? No, I don't want to. I don't I'm afraid. Wait, no way. Yeah, he he's gone for this whole like old geezer looking thing. What the hell? The, the newest album they release is called uh Dad Vibes or Dad something. I don't know. But they're uh, still anyway. releasing music? Oh my god. That's oh yeah, crazy. they they released a new album recently. So, so Stephen just showed me a picture of if you're listening of Fred Durst. It looks like he's wearing an old man wig and has like tinted glasses. It's very strange. Wow. Yeah. So like, ah, oh, that's uh, see. This is a question I want you to ask me at some point because I'm very passionate about this. Music okay. is something I can get very passionate about, uh, especially since you brought up something about the CRTC. But anyways, that's it. Okay, I will. Yeah, because you know music better than I do, and look how passionate I got. I got pretty fired up about some Smash Mouth. Really. <laughs> I really went off on poor Supertramp. Like, I know people like Supertramp, but just I'm not buying this jokey music, okay? All right, Stephen, we're going to end on that note. That's the end of this episode. See, I knew it was going to be a fun episode. And for anybody listening or watching, we're taking a break next week. There'll be no episode next week, but we will be back with a new episode in two weeks. So we'll get another one in before the real life trade. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.